You're listening to episode number six of Public Ice with your host, Chris Resendiz and Dave Kleinberg. Hello, Chris. What's up, man? How are you? Well, it's uh, it's another day in paradise. Another day in lockdown mode. Lockdown. So uh, today we have part two of our interview with Brad Vigorito and Max Aaron. Exciting stuff. Yeah, especially that I really enjoyed some of the transitional conversations we had um, just in their career transitions. So um, stay tuned and uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll get back to uh, um, Brad and Max. But uh, a lot of things going on in um, youth sports or lack thereof, whichever whichever we want to talk about. At least there's a lot of... Uh, talk going out there i mean everyone is looking to get back involved in whatever sports they're doing um how is everything on your front on the hockey front uh same same there people are trying to get things rolling uh waiting for rinks to open up uh you've got a few rinks uh florida rinks have opened up now and they still have limitations on on how many kids are on the ice um i know rhode island is supposed to open up their rinks uh next week um and with with some limitations on how many people you can have on the ice but uh Overall, we're still hoping Mass uh, opens up in the 18th, and New York is is closer towards the end of the month. Um, but other than that, from on the hockey front, I think the only other news we really have is everyone's on hold for the tournaments. Um, a lot of summer tournaments have been canceled now, uh, but they're still hopeful that uh, the other tournaments are, are pushed into July and August. Um, and I think the only news on the high, ice hockey D board is uh, when will uh, when when will strip clubs open up? So not too much news from there either. That's not good. Um, so, um, yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, some of the rinks start opening up uh, pretty soon. Um, you know, I, I, as you said, Florida's opening, so uh, I'm sure everyone's getting back out there. And uh, hopefully, hopefully all over the all over the country. Now, do we know if all the rinks closed everywhere or what's going on, um, you know, out in, in – uh, Idaho, for example. So Idaho has Sun Valley, <clears throat> which is huge uh, skating opportunities. So yep, they were open. Um, they never closed. Idaho was never under uh, Idaho, Montana, um, a lot of Western states like that were actually just they're still operating business as usual. Gotcha. So we'll have to take a look at um, you know if if they've gotten a lot of. Um, a lot of visitors from professionals or people trying to stay in shape. Uh, yeah, that's a great Idaho, question. I mean, Idaho is only 10 hours from, from California. So yeah. it's, it's not too far. It's only uh, eight hours from Nevada, not too far from Colorado. So all these, you know, all these places, I wonder if, uh, if they, you know, if they're getting increased business right now. Um, That's a great question. I, I I almost expect them to at least a little bit. Um, if it overflux that way, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of people leaving the states that they're in to go elsewhere to places like Idaho just to skate. So, but um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see how it uh, see it how it goes. And um, the the in, the interesting thing is, uh, Sun Valley actually has an appreciate this an outdoor rink um that is open during the summer oh, yeah. and so we were actually going to take a look at going out there this summer and spending a couple of weeks out there have a lot of coaches like you know a lot of uh, high level um 
Olympians and the like that basically just are there and they're coaching kids during the summer. They do uh, ice shows every week and they do a lot of clinics and the clinics are ridiculously uh, affordable. So, um, you know, we'll put the uh, put the post out there or the link out there for folks, but uh, definitely something we want to uh, check out. Uh, so speaking of uh, checking out, um, we'll put the we'll put a link out as well for this. Is is uh, um, masks made by uh, figure skating um, <laughs> coutures or, or whatever whatever it's called for the designers making very high end masks. Um, it's very interesting because you know how much would you think they are? Twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. Oh, high end masks taking advantage of a situation like this. Um... I'd probably say a little, little bit more expensive, but within that realm. Okay. Well, I uh, encourage everyone to see the pricing, but they're uh, about ten times that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's a little bit much. I know there's a lot um, that goes into making masks. Um, so we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out, and that's great. Um, but um, yeah. Is it, I, are they I, made I, from uh, special materials, Dave? They they are. Uh, I mean, that's that's one thing. They so you know are, they are they ergonomically created to take in, yes. into space. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it they are. Um, Can you breathe but, with them underwater? Hmm, that would be very good. Um, <laughs> very good option. No, I mean they're they're meant for with the, they're made with the same material as a figure skating costume, which is you know light blend of. Uh, material probably that's actually a great question and i'm gonna say this it you have to be very careful when cleaning um a costume because they're expensive they've got beads on it so it's do typically done very 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 carefully now masks you just have to you you need to clean them constantly because you can't wear them more than once so you have to clean it um you know, after you put it, you know, wear it. So um, I guess the question is, are the are there special? If you're if you're spending that kind of money, like what do you do? You can't just throw them away like a disposable mask. So we'll have to maybe maybe we'll uh, if anyone has experience, let us know. I'm sure they're um, machine washable. They have to be. Maybe. Um, you know, I I'd like to maybe maybe we'll get uh, we'll get one for us um, to test them out. Uh, they could be the best masks ever made. That's true. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't knock something just because we haven't utilized it. Oh, I completely um, agree. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just uh, when you said they're ten times the price we were talking about, um, I'm hoping that that apparatus will allow me to breathe underwater. Sorry, Canadian. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so that saves twenty percent. <laughs> So, um, so, uh, yeah, anything, uh, I noticed, I know we talked, um, some, there's some hockey programs that are closing, but then there are hockey programs that are opening up for at least adult hockey. It's not youth sports. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, New England senior hockey league, um, actually, uh, filing for bankruptcy. Um, it's interesting to see how the rinks are coming together to, to kind of put together their own adult, uh, adult, uh, leagues. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of transpires. And then, uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen some notices that rinks are opening some programs. So we'll see. Um, you know, I did see uh, it's uh, 
it, it's not easy to start a new league. Um, you know, I think one of the things are people are comfortable playing with who they know. Um, so then the teams have to go over and then some of the, the you know, some of the leagues, they, one of the, what, what are the things that you hear about from, uh, adult hockey folks? Like what do, what do adult hockey league players like? Uh, well, everyone, from my perspective, um, or the, the guys that we've played with in the past and, and so forth, we want a league that you can actually be somewhat competitive. Um, but you don't have to worry. Like you, you can get up and go to work the next day. Um, you're not worried about some guy trying to stab you with a skate. Um, and the only thing bad is, and I agree with you, when new leagues come up, uh, a lot of times they have a, a tendency to pick up some of those those guys who have been thrown out of a few other leagues, um, and they're going back in to try to make a make a name for themselves uh, and so forth. But you're just looking for a good a good time. Um, also, I don't know if you saw Dave. This just kind of reminded me. Uh, did you see in Florida the adult men's hockey league that started back up, and uh, they they made some adjustments, but uh, there were still fights in the first game. It was the uh, I believe it was the firefighters versus the police and there was still fights in the game. So that was good. So nothing changed there. Um, the only big changes were the referee actually cannot blow the whistle anymore. Um, he has an electronic whistle, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but overall, uh, other than the rink being sanitized and, and really clean, there wasn't a lot of changes to the game. Hmm. Well, if they can find a way to sanitize locker rooms, <laughs> Well, that's what everyone commented on the in the news article. It was the cleanest they'd ever smell a locker room. But honestly, I think if you can survive some of these locker rooms and these rinks, um, there's not a disease in the world that can hurt you. Those uh, there are some rinks that are better than others, and some that just you, you, you don't know what's going to hit you when you well, walk in. I'm not going to mention the rink name, but there's one that they're they're um, how do I want to say cesspool or they're so sewage system has been out of code for close to a decade and it's constantly backing up. Um, and everyone who knows this rink already knows what I'm talking about. And it is absolutely the most disgusting rink on the planet, but now, um, it, go ahead. Is that the same water they use to surface the ice with? That's an interesting question. There is some brown specks on the ice. So I'm curious. <laughs> if it is. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, I, I always wonder though, um, if that, um, they can reuse the water that they sweep from the snow that they sweep off the ice. I know in some rinks I've seen like a holding tank inside that the Zamboni dumps the snow out to, and then they wet it down to melt it. So I wonder if they're re reusing the, uh, that water in their system. Well, I'm sure I, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, as long as the system's built correctly, why, why wouldn't you use gray water? So, I mean, it doesn't have to be purified water. No. Unless the kids during Learn to Skate are eating the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where they learn very quickly not to eat the snow. Come on, um, didn't you know that you're not supposed to eat yellow snow? I, I did learn that lesson, but the hard way, as I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I never had to learn that lesson the hard way. I, I just knew there was something off about yellow snow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then um, another thing that I, I didn't know, um, I was, you know, again, I'm sure a lot of us are utilizing YouTube and and uh, other video sharing programs. I sent you a link, Chris, and we'll post it on this. There was a f uh, hockey fight back in 1987 between the Flyers and the Canadians that occurred before their playoff game. Did you happen have, have a chance to take a look at the the link that I sent? Yeah, that was crazy. I've never I've never seen anything like it. So explain to me exactly what happened at first. 
Because that's so, the only part I was a little questionable about. So from what I could tell, um, you had a um, a player on uh, one of one of the teams uh, who um, they, it was during warmups, and he uh, shot. He was warned apparently before the um, the 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 uh, the, the warmups to not sh- go back on the ice and shoot the the puck in the empty net um and of course that was his trademark so he went back on the ice of course and shot the puck in the empty net and this was after i guess both teams had finished their warm-ups or one of the teams had finished the warm-ups uh so no one was on the ice and the player decided to come back on the ice and so um or the canadians were coming on the ice so then two of the flyers chased after him before he shot the puck, he just proceeded to shoot the puck anyways, and then they that you know they just went after him, um, and people that the players didn't really know what to do, uh, so one by one, some wearing clothes, some not, come back on the ice and and they just grab each other. No referees to be found for about twelve minutes, um, and. To be honest, it was, it was you know no one was really hitting anybody too badly. I mean, actually there were f- a few fights that you could see, um, and no one really knew what to do. The maintenance workers were still working on the ice <laughs> at the same time as, as thirty players, forty players are on the ice. The zamboni is halfway out. Um, but the best part is if you turn the volume up, the organist is playing the entire time. I heard that. And, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> And so he's playing Looney Tunes music, um, you know, Lady in Spain. The best one was at the end when he played the final countdown. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that far. So <laughs> yeah, so if you if you go to about eight eight minutes into it, uh, you you can hear the final countdown. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> it's it's just a, a wonderful a wonderful quarantine uh, video. So we'll post a link to the video. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess um, on that, um, we have part two of our interview with uh, Max Aaron, a national champion. Um, and uh, he was, you know, great interview. Um, and, uh, you know, he uh, was 2000, what was it, 2013 national champion uh, of the U.S., 2015 Skate America champion. Uh, and a th- three-time U.S. International uh, Classic champion, 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, so he definitely has a lot of great things to say. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, I recommend going back to episode five to listen to part one. We also have um, produce, figure skating coach and producer and also a champion himself, um, Brad Vigorito. So uh, great to hear from them. And, uh, yeah, so here is the interview. One question I have for you guys is, is would you, and, and one of the things like, and this kind of goes along with this topic is, um, would you guys say you found your most success in failure, uh, by learning from your failures? Cause that's one thing I, I, I see a lot of times is we're so, so quick to, to win. Um, kind of like you mentioned a second ago, Max, about the uh, winning a, a lower level, uh, versus like I was a wrestler, uh, growing up. So that's one of the things when you were talking about Olympic wrestling. I learned more from the matches I lost than I ever did from the ones I won. Do you guys find that similar? Yeah. So I, 
Yeah, I and I just did a, a Zoom call with Brad, and I had him read the quote from Michael Jordan, right, about how many failures he's had to make himself successful. And I'll tell you this: in my entire career, you know, I, I don't think I was a very a much of a, a huge favorite in the sport. I looked like a hockey player on the ice. You know, they, you know, I didn't have those clean lines, and I got a lot of chirp on on the internet, right? And I, I kind of hated that. I got a lot of heat. Um, I wasn't a big fan favorite. The trolls, the online trolls. Yeah, it's tough, and so. But really, thick skin. You know, yeah, you got to grow a thick skin. Skin one and uh, and two. You know, I learned a lot because I, like I said, nothing was given to me in the sport. You know, I wasn't given the the component score that you know some people got. Obviously, maybe I, you know, obviously I wasn't very deserving of it. But I never got the help. You know, get a little, little extra boost, right? And so, you know, everything from I got because I worked for it, right? And uh, obviously, sometimes some skaters, you know, made mistakes that uh, you know. I technically benefited from, right? Cause I got the place ahead cause they uh, had a couple of screw ups, but you know, I learned a lot from my failures and um, you know, that's all you can ask for is learning from failures to, to grow. And if everything was just given to you, I had a lot of skaters, a lot of teammates that were just so talented, but didn't want to work hard because everything was given to yeah. them. Right. Then you get into a place where all of a sudden you get a guy that has a, a pretty decent uh, talent level. And then you got a guy that's super, uh, the same guy that has a, a, a drive, right? That guy is going to blow the guy that has a bajillion, um, you know, percent in, in talent and no work ethic, you know, because you get to the top, you know, you're going to get a mix of that. You know, you look at those guys, you do behind you. I've seen him train. I know how he trains. I saw how talented he is, right? So, you know, you're not going to touch him. Nathan Chen, I watch Nathan Chen, how he practices. Super talented guy, probably the most talented guy, one of the most talented in the world. But, uh, you know, he trains hard, too. Well, he's going to blow a guy that just has talent alone, right? Talent alone isn't going to cut it, right? And so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, um, you know, learning from failures is huge. And if you can learn from it in a positive light, I see yourself just succeeding so much. I, I find myself, especially these days when we're, you know, coaching via Zoom, and um, I tell my students far more stories of the events that I failed at than the ones that I succeeded because, when you fail at something, I think you look back and you figure out why did I fail? And those are the lessons that you can pass on. And I know like Max and I, have, we do like uh, motivational classes for my students and um, which has kind of been a really cool thing through this whole COVID, um, the bringing together the community. And, um, you know, it's nice to mentor kids and, you know, tell those stories so they don't make the same mistakes that we did. And it's funny when you look back and you're like, well, you know, I feel that this at the time you think it's devastating, right? Like you worked your whole season for this one competition and literally in one second it's over, you know, you work how long, but that's kind of what makes, that's what we retell, you know, you don't want people to, you want people to learn from your mistakes. And, um, you know, I think the quote is like champions aren't born, they're made. And, um, I think we can give them, you know, what we've learned from the sport and pass it on. And then, um, they'll, you know, the future generations will be better because of it. Right. And the thing is too, it doesn't stop just that sport. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm involved, I'm in a, in a small, uh, startup company and, uh, I'm looking, I'm constantly learning. I'm meeting as many people as I can. I, I make phone calls. I try to reach people on, on social media. You know, one of my times I want to, I want to own, you know, you know, 4,000 units of commercial property, real estate property all over the United States. Right. And I want to have that and have a bunch of passive income. And I want to learn how to do that, right? But obviously, I'm at ground zero. I'm still learning how to do that. I'm, I want to build a portfolio of that, right? So it's me reaching out to others 
and saying, hey, how did you do this? How did you go about doing this? Let me learn from you. How can you explain you know, what, you, what you went through so I don't have to go through your same failures you did, right? So it's just a constant cycle. And I, I always tell the kids this, right? If you stop learning to, if you stop your mindset and stop growing your mindset, you will get past because there is someone else that is going to be constantly learning something new because a sport and life evolves and it constantly evolves over and over again and someone's going to pass you. So even when I won my title, I was constantly trying to learn from others, whether it's a 15th place person or the second place person. There's something that you can just constantly learn from other people, right? The same in, 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 in business, in the business world. Now I, can, I relate it to you know, what I do now. Something that there's just so many people that are just obviously multi-multi-billionaires or multi-multi-millionaires in the world that if I can just get you know, two minutes from them and say, how did you do this? And you know, show me this, or, you know, take me under your wing and and you know that that's huge, right? You know that alone is is worth you know money. There's listening to someone about tell their story, and I wish there was a way to have other people tell their stories uh, more often. You see yes. on social media a little bit more on Instagram. I love watching that stuff and how you know those moguls made their money and how they did it, but they really don't tell all their all their stories. I'm saying you got to tell it all from the very beginning. So, I love yeah. hearing that. You know, I think a lot of times as you see these folks, you know, as you mentioned, they take chances. And then when I look at folks, you know, putting their bodies on the line, whether it's in skating, where, I mean, it's got to hurt. I mean, I'm sure it hurts when <laughs> when you fall. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen my, my little one fall. You know, she's fallen nonstop. She's hit her head a couple times and they don't come off happy. I've seen other kids hit their head. They don't come off happy. It's not a fun experience. Um, but same thing with hockey. I mean, how many times do you see a, a, you know, I've seen some of these little kids play, you know, at, at 10 and they're going crashing, whether it's intentional or not, they're going crashing into each other at center ice with, with both of their heads down. Um, it's painful. So, you know, the key is with some of the, you know, as you keep progressing you're taking chances and i think that's where a lot of the champions come to play is they're not afraid of of failure or they're not afraid mm -hmm. of right. getting injured i i mean are you afraid of of getting hurt you know when you're out there i was <laughs> and i think it hurt me it prevented me from going far i mean i learned like i said i started really late i think the early you can start anything in life you know you, the better you are um but yeah i mean my career I didn't want to learn triple axel. I was 26 years old. Um, and I thought I was an old dog. I didn't want to learn a new trick. And I, the feeling of going up in the air and rotating three and a half times petrified me. And I knew I could only go so far without that. And, um, you know, that was, I, I think the fear of learning that the, um, at my age was what kept me from reaching the next level in my competitive career. For me, uh, I, I threw the body at it, whatever it is. I can't tell you how many times I got my bell wrong in hockey, right? And as a being a smaller player on a, on a AAA team, I didn't want to show weakness. I got my bell wrong so hard. All of a sudden, I'm seeing black, and I'm skating to the bench somehow, and I'm hearing someone, Max, wrong way. And I got to skate to the, to the listening of where, where the board is. Well, I'm seeing black, and I'm skating around. And it's probably not a good story to tell. But, you know, I was going to sacrifice the body. I was going to do whatever it took to be as successful or go as far as I can or whatever success was, you know, as far as my body would take me, right? I broke my back in the sport. I broke my right foot uh, three times. I broke my wrist. I had a hernia. Uh, I don't know. I got a couple of concussions. I uh, got some stitches. Um, you know, whatever it was, I didn't really care, to be honest with you. 
uh, and maybe not a good thing to say, uh, but that's really just <laughs> my mindset. I wanted to do whatever it took to be successful. I wanted to win so badly. I wanted to win so badly. I would stay in the gym all night long. I would do so much more cardio. I would try to push the weight as hard as I can. Like I said, whatever you took, you said, Max, you're going to be an Olympic champion or you're going to be a, a pro athlete, but just stay in the gym for four hours every day. I would have done six. You know, I wanted to be that guy that everyone remembered from time and time to come, right? And then be able to tell my story. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, I didn't become this, you know, ginormous name, this public name in a, in a household name, right? I was just, you know, I got to do some really cool things. But again, I was a little limited on some of my talent. I, I always said I wasn't the most talented person. Skating never came natural to me. Again, I looked like a hockey player, uh, figure skating. Uh, my ballet, my fluidity through the sport, my interpretation of music was always tough. I always got made fun of, um, you know, I always got chirped on a lot. Um, and doing quads, my, my, my technique wasn't solid. But boy, was I, able to, I was able to push weight and push the, you know, push my legs. Uh, and that's the reason why I got, got by on a lot of things. And I guess, you know, I sacrificed my body a lot. I learned how to do multiple quads. I sacrificed it all. I put two quads in a free program when no one was doing it. I had nothing to lose. And I always told myself that, who am I to think that I'm going to lose something? I have nothing. I got nothing. I have a great family, which is great. But sport-wise, I had nothing. You know, what does a junior title do? What does a, um, a juvenile title do? I, I mean, not, not, nothing to me, right? So if I wasn't going to be a, a, a household name or wasn't going to risk it all to become it, you know, what's the point, right? So I was willing to risk everything I got, the body, you know, my time with friends to become something special. And something that I can look back on 15 years from the time I retired or 10 years down the road or 30 years down the road and say, hey, look what I did. You know, look at the legacy I left uh, behind, right? I mean, I still remember every hit I had in high school baseball. <laughs> so you never, you never lose it. Right. You don't right, right. bounce back from the ice too easily. <laughs> it's kind of a hard surface. Well, it's, it's a little bit better than, uh, than cement using, uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, um, so did you choose your own music, uh, both of you or did, uh, other? Yes. Oh. Yeah. A hundred percent. If my coach would hand me music that I, I would hand it right back to him if I didn't like it for me, I, I think I was really into the art, art side of skating, the artistic side. Um, especially I think, cause I had, I wasn't the strongest technical skater. Um, and I, I, if I, if I didn't like the music, I would not be able to interpret to it. Um, I, like I said, I liked the performance. I liked, you know, getting into a program so much that so the audience would feel it. And I always tell my students, like, you're kind of the instrument, play the music through your body. And if you don't like it, I, I as a coach feel as though you can't ask a kid to interpret it. And so, yeah, music for me was really important. How do you teach that, um, Brad? Because I think that's that's one. how do you teach it? Oh, um, yeah, it's like I see. You know. I mean, I hate to say like I mean, I think it's a strength and weakness. Um, I think some kids have it and some kids don't. But I think down deep, everyone wants you know to express a certain kind, you know, themselves in a certain way. Um, and I think you have to dig down deep and find what that athlete wants to say, what that skater's story is that they want to put out there and find music that they connect to. And, it, and it's not different. I mean, it's different for every person, I, I think. Um, you know, I tended to kind of uh, like to skate to really strong music because um, 
if I get nervous and I had slow kind of dead music, I would skate down to it. Um, so it's kind of like that facade, you know, um, when, so I, I think it, it's really personal based on the athlete. Yeah, because one thing, you know, it's funny, you always see at the rink, you know, sitting there and watching everyone else skate. Some, you know, you can see the connection that some children have or, you know. I can't stand seeing a kid skate to Carmen, like a, like a six-year-old. I, I just, they have no idea what, what it means. They have no, they shouldn't know what it means. And um, Is it's that... like a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I just, you know, they, they have to, they have to get into it. Now, Max, that was one of your routines, wasn't it? Yeah, I uh, I did skate to that, and um, you know, for I guess for me, right? I guess more looking, uh, I people tell me I need to skate to Rocky or some rock and roll, right? But here's my thing, and I and I'm, a lot of people probably disagree, um, but again, I'm just gonna speak candidly. Um, I I honestly, you know, you gotta skate to something you like. Well, honestly, I love watching ballets, right? It's gonna everyone always laughs when I say this. Uh, anyone, I never really talked about it a lot, but I watched love loved watching the Nutcracker or the Black Swan. My sister was in the Nutcracker every year. I got to watch it, and I just grow fond of the music, right? I just love skating to that stuff. I wanted to, and I always got a lot of chirp about it, a lot of flack about it. But I always think about it this way: if I skated to rock and roll, and I, I kind of, you know, was able to skate my hockey self, right? Would you really give me the scores? Because when you look at it, some of the 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 judges were a bit older and they, they, they're fond of the more, you know, traditional balletic music or the traditional ballads that are, that were played back in the day. And obviously being creative is one thing. Um, but you know, that's why I kind of went that way. First of all, I love the music of, of uh, symphony, a symphony. Right. And I wanted to skate to that way. And I got a lot of flack cause I could never really pull it off. Obviously I did the best of my ability and I, and I have no regrets, but um, I was really just trying to kind of fit in in a way where I feel like they can, you know, score me. Well, I you see know. you have uh, Footloose and Tron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So I skated to, uh, to Tron. That was a year, I, my breakout season where I won my title. Um, I remember looking at that music and I'm like, let's do something really weird and just crazy. And that was a year, the prior year, I was going to retire from sport, quit from sport. Um, I got eighth. I, I could have been fourth at the U.S. Championships. Uh, I yelled at the lights got underneath me, but... After that U.S. Championships, when I got eighth place, they said a couple judges came up, and I remember them saying, "Hey, you're never going to be a U.S. champion. You skate like a hockey player. This isn't this isn't going to work." So I remember doing my last show at uh, you know in um, I was in Illinois, and uh, I was like, "This is it." And then I remember the reason why I came back from sport was I never gave my parents, you know, it's obviously a lot of money, a lot of you know time that they've sacrificed to put into me and my my sisters and. So I was like, you know what? I never gave my parents that moment where like, man, we had like a really solid moment, a big moment where I skated perfectly, perfectly clean. Uh, just just a, a memory that we're going to talk about for years to come. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do one more year. I'm going to skate to something, you know, that everyone's going to remember and uh, just go wild and do whatever no one was doing at the time. No one was doing multiple quads. I said, okay, I'm going to do multiple quads. I don't really care. I'm going to sacrifice the body. I'm going to throw whatever I can at it, do one more year, see what happens. So we picked, we found Tron. Tron, the movie was out. Uh, I was like, man, this would be really cool to skate to. Like, no one's ever doing stuff like this. I'll get, I was like, I'll come with a light-up costume, something just wild and weird, and you're going to like, you're going to remember me because I'm going to throw mm-hmm. some quads in there. And that's what happened. That's how we came up with it. I ended up winning the U.S. title that year. And uh, everyone talks about that Tron program. Um, so, yeah, took the career off that way. And I, I, I think Chris was over my house last year. 
And, you know, Chris, you're not a skating, a figure skating watcher, right? Um, but, you know, I watch it because I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm blown away by the stuff that folks can do. Like, I'm an old man hockey player, like, even though I'm not that old. Chris and I started playing hockey when our kids were, you know, seven or eight years old. And, you know, so we took skating lessons. We got out there and it, and it was fun. So, but I always, you know, I do it. I watch what my kid you know, is doing. So I'm watching skating. And I think last year or the year before there was a one skater from New Jersey who was doing, um, uh, from New Jersey, um, like turn down the something. Oh, Jimmy Ma. (laughs) That went viral, man. That was, um, like I, I, yeah, he wore his heart in his sleeve and he interpreted that. And, uh, you know, that went pretty viral. He was known for that. But I would, will say I was watching the Olympics. That, so we're on, what are we on? Day 49 or whatever of being. Yeah. Um, so I was watching the Olympics from, uh, I want to say, how many years ago? So it's, we had 94. That was, it was 98. Yeah, the announcers were brutal on the skaters. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> much different. Because I, I like the ones, it's, who's it? Johnny Weir and... Uh, Tara and Johnny, yeah. Tara, they're they're nice. They're nice to everybody. They sometimes will say, "Oh, they they don't you know they don't like their outfit," <laughs> but they're nice. Boy, whoever were the announcers back then were were going off. You know, they didn't even show <laughs> up. Yeah, it was it was Dick Button back in the day. Dick you Button. Know? <laughs> Dick, that was that was the big thing back in the day. But uh, you know, of course, for TV, you got to have some controversy. You know, I had times right. where, you know, even for me, you know. Johnny Weir, I was really good friends with Johnny Weir, and he would, he would, uh, he would give me some hard times, and uh, on the, on TV, right? And he used to uh, text me. He goes, "You don't need to watch this one. I still love you." And he would tell me that. But you gotta have some type of controversy, and I get it, right? You gotta, you gotta have something that sells, right? So you know, a good buddy of mine, and but he needed to create some controversy, right? So you gotta, you gotta critique right. somehow. If you're giving everyone just a bunch of uh, applaud, you know, you know, are you gonna be really interested? But if you're gonna create some type of debate. Um, you know, get more people interested in, in, in television, right? And that's just, you know, basic, you know, you know how to create uh, more viewership, right? It's creating a controversy, right? So I get that, you know, sometimes they flipped. Tara was saying things to someone and Johnny was complimenting it and they, you know, they had a little discussion. But that's part of part of uh, television and, and creating more viewership, right? Kind of part of the sport too. I mean, it's not a sport where you can really measure it's not about who crosses the finish line the first. It's definitely not black and white. Um, it's performance and art driven. And I think, you know, their opinion, you know, they're people too, and everyone has their own opinion. So, and they're getting, you know, people want to hear their opinion because they're getting paid pretty good money to call it as it is. So, so I remember a couple of years ago when, um, uh, worlds was in Boston. Um, we went to the men's, um, finals and you know we were watching and i remember one of the skaters did you know four quads or something like that but then the ultimate winner i think was it javier fernandez is that his name that was max wasn't it how many did you do that that world <laughs> no that wasn't no just two that wasn't me um and but he was everyone was cheering like standing up on their feet while the guy was in his program because it was so user probably right it was javier Right. And it was just so lights out. Great. Like everything about the program was, 
was you could tell like it was perfection you know other skaters had falls or you know because they were trying things that were above their you know trying to get all the the, the jumps to get the scoring but i just remember particularly this one skater you know whoever you know the he just did such a phenomenal job and it was you know great to see the entire audience just cheering like they've never seen anything before yeah it's you know it's all about the performance base right so if you have someone that's a technical ability right and be able to perform and get the audience engaged there you go right because that that second component right obviously the more you get the crowd involved, the higher it is to influence the judges, right? So you got to find that happy medium. Am I able to perform and get the crowd involved? At the same time, I have to work the technical aspect to get that technical component up. So if you get the best of both worlds, hitting some big tricks, at the same time, getting the crowds emotionally engaged, um, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for some good success. Um, so that's huge. Um, but I forgot, I don't know who it was, to be completely honest, but uh, that, that energy there was unreal. I mean, judges are just audience members, too, with the best seats in the house. Um, so if you can make an audience feel, you know, that they want to rise to their feet, chances are the judges will want to, too, and uh, they'll give you the marks. So um, do you ever, did you ever compete in the old days where they had, like, the different world judges and, you know, everyone would have, what was it, a 6.0? So they'd have, like, 6.0, 6.0, and then one of the countries would give them a 2. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were of the generation that um, grew up with 6.0 and then it switched over to the, it was the new judging system, but IJS. So it switched over for me when I was in a junior. Uh, how uh, for Max, I think I'm dating myself. I'm a little bit older, <laughs> but uh, uh, I didn't do the figures. I'm not that old. I didn't, I didn't do the figures. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, I grew up also with the 6.0 system. Um, and uh, again, I was a younger kid. And um, I really, to be honest, when I was in my younger, my younger days, I really didn't know how the sport worked. I was really just doing it, you know, to help hockey. And uh, I just enjoyed jumping and I enjoyed having a good time with my, my friends skating. And so I didn't really take it seriously, really, until I, I got up into the senior level and I moved to Colorado Springs because I was focusing on one sport. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, funny back in the day where you see those 6060 and then some judge oh, getting yeah. a five five point six, and you see some booing yeah. going on. I was like, man, this is rough. Yeah. Now, this brings up to another question that, since we've gone on this. Now, since we're all stuck at home, uh, we're dealing with this COVID-19 <laughs> incident. You, you got to love that we're going to bring this up. But uh, how do you think this is going to affect ice sports going forward? Going forward or coming back from it? Uh, both. Coming back into it and like like in figure skating, I, I guess um, from a training perspective and then from a hockey perspective, um, how do you think this is going to affect it going forward? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you now. This is really funny. This is just my personal opinion. Um, it's you're gonna see <laughs> one. How many people actually want to be doing the sport? Yeah. Or lines two, drawn. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna see lines drawn. Because you're, you're you're getting time off, right? So you're like, how <laughs> do I really like doing this sport? Because you're gonna get a lot of time. You're getting what it feels like to be retired, right? Or not yep. really active anymore. And you're gonna really realize, I enjoy this. I really don't want to do sport anymore. I want to be a normal kid or a normal adult, yeah. right? 100%. Or you're gonna be like, man, I love this sport. I cannot wait to get back out there because how much I have a passion for the sport, right? And you're gonna see those. And yeah, you're going to see a lot of rust out there. I'm not going to lie. In any sport, right? Any sport you take off for a month and a half, two months, yeah, you're going to have a tough time coming back. But uh, if you're doing stuff off the ice, there was a big study. I always tell these kids, there was a study, and I'll tell it quick. 
basketball team. They split them up in half. Uh, 10 were doing three throws. 10 were doing visualization of three throws. They did it for 30 days straight. The guys that visualized every single day for two hours or three hours, I forgot their time limit, beat the guys when they actually had a competition actually doing three throws, beat the guys that actually were doing three throws every single day um, because they were focusing on what it felt like, the follow-through, the mechanics, without touching the ball, just visualizing it. Um, and I was telling them, a lot of the kids that I talked to, uh, if you do your visualization every night, every day, for a certain amount of time going through this, when you get on the ice, yeah, I'll feel a little rusty, but you'll get back to it a lot quicker than just not doing anything for your sport. I mean, we've always said there's the physical and the mental side of it. And I know I was guilty of the fact that I would always train the physical side. I, I liked skating. That's why I trained. I liked working out. Uh, did I like doing my visualization? No. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, if you, how many times do you hear an athlete say, oh, I can do that jump in my sleep. But when the time came, I didn't do it. Well, why? Because you probably mentally weren't strong. You negative thoughts or you let the pressure get to you. Um, I think, like Max said, it's, this is a very telling time. I think you're, you see who's made for this sport. I know I've seen it in my kids that they're doing, you know, they're chomping at the bit to get back there. They have all this time where they can devote to the, the mental training, getting stronger off the ice, um, you know, working on ballet and choreography and dance and, you know, and they're not tired at the end of the day from training three hours. You know, this is, they can put a hundred percent into this. And yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be very clear when, when rings are back open, who will stick this out and who will be like, you know, I enjoyed my time off. Cause I think people can use this very wisely. And I think those who are, will have a clear advantage coming back. So I know we have a lot of questions, but uh, you know, I think uh Maybe have you guys back on for another um, round of questions. Sure. Be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know, you know, just as we ended up, I know, um, Brad, you're still working with some of your students during, um, you know, doing some off-ice stuff. With yeah, thank God for Zoom. I wish I had stock in Zoom um, before all this happened. I didn't even know what Zoom was. Um, and... Um, you know, like I said, I was kind of guilty of, I didn't, in my career, I didn't do a lot of off-ice. I like to skate. Let's, I like to skate and perform. Um, so when this kind of all happened, <laughs> we don't have a platform. We have no ice. What do we do? Um, and, you know, thankfully our skating community is small and people were there to lend a helping hand. Uh, you know, Max was one of the ones I first called and, and my friend Mercer. And, you know, you put a team together who, in the end of the day, we all want the best for our kids. And... I, you know, trust them. And, um, I've been very thankful to surround myself with an amazing group of, uh, coaches virtually from all over, you know, from, from Arizona to Boston and, um, to help us through, you know, and, and I think it's something about the sport too. And I know Max touched upon, touched upon it, that, you know, when you're retired and you look back, there's something that we all kind of have the same, we want to give back to the sport. We really care about the grassroots and we want, to tell our stories. And I think this time especially is given platform for, for that because we're not all in a rink, you know, going in and going out. It is a very individualistic sport, but we're kind of a tight community that in the end we share the same passion and love. And um, that's kind of been a silver, like a blessing through all this, I would say. All right. And that was the interview with those guys. Great interview. Lots of, lots of information out there. 
Um, hey, hey, Dave, I've, I've got one uh, one good uh, little hockey um, uh, chirp I, I saw today that or that my son introduced me to today. Go for so it. So, are you ready for to hear it? We are it's- ready. So this is this is chirp of the week brought to you by. <laughs> Yeah, brought to you by uh, myself. Anyways, uh, the only way you're gonna, I was gonna ma- go I, ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say Old Spice. But there you go. <laughs> we don't want to give Chirp them. Of, yeah, Chirp of the Week brought to you by Old Spice. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to give them any any special favors, especially because they're not they're not a sponsor. So just call them uh, New Spice. <laughs> so, but the only way you're gonna matter in this game is if you buy a striped sweater and a whistle. <laughs> Excellent. So, so they're, they're they're clean and they're cheesy, but I, I, I like them. Every time he comes up with a new one, I'm I'm happy. So if anyone wants to sponsor the uh, chirp of the week, um, we're happy. Just send us an email at info at publicice.com. Um, the chirp of the week is definitely open for sponsorship opportunities. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all that I have. And that's as well as with as well as I am here as a horrible thing. Yeah, yeah right, I, think, I think I'm all finished as well. I think everyone dropped off after the chirp. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. All it was right. so bad. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll find a better one for next week. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, uh, see you on the ice.